What is up, Fight Fans? We are back with another episode of No Filter, and today is a really great episode because we have a professional fighter on the show today. We have Aiden, the future Ingram. I will let him go ahead and introduce himself now. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me on the show, brother. Um, my name is Aiden Ingram, the future, and uh, 2-0 pro fighter. I just had my lot, my fight uh, this couple days ago, so yeah, on a good start for my career. Let's go. Love it. And that makes you 2-0, and o, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. Let's go, man. Let's keep that ball rolling. Yes, so sir. Uh, yeah. Aiden is a beast. If you haven't seen his last two fights, highly recommend you go watch them. Um, this, this last finish especially was just disgusting. I literally was showing it off at a beer event I went to and then at, at my brother-in-law's <laughs> bar this weekend. Oh, Dude, cool, man. How, how quickly you were able to sink in that guillotine was incredible like the second the second there was room for error you were you were in on it mm, yeah it's uh thank you uh that's uh that's kind of my move i guess right now um i've had I've had four guillotine finishes since my my amateur career um and then you know as a as a wrestler i i've always used the guillotine to defend a lot of takedowns in high school so it was almost like uh it's almost, it's, almost, it's almost meant to be, right? I grew up, I grew up watching Team Alpha Male and uh, Team Guillotine, so it was just something <laughs> I knew that I would be good at. And uh, everyone's like, uh, someone, someone told me backstage, they're like, "Man, that was great, but can you do anything else?" And I'm like, "Probably not." I mean, <laughs> but I'll, 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 I'll get there a thousand different ways to get to that guillotine, and uh, you know, so yeah. <laughs> I, next time somebody asks you, "Can you do anything else?" You should respond with. Until I need to, probably not. <laughs> until <laughs> until they can stop it, right? <laughs> like, until until it becomes a problem that that's that that I'm a one trick pony. I'm just gonna keep tapping people out the same way. Exactly right. That's uh, why not. Why not? Make me make me yeah, make me change yeah. it up. <laughs> make me change exactly. Make me switch it up. I love that. Um, so first first question the uh, the generic you know ask question. I'm sure you get asked all the time. Oh, you're fine. What uh what got you into mixed martial arts originally? Um, what got me into mixed martial arts initially was, uh, I was just, uh, just a young kid trying to find my way. And, um, my initial plan was just to join the military, like the rest of my family, my mom, my dad, my grandma, my grandpa, my great grandpa were all in the, all in the military served multiple, multiple years. So it was kind of a, a birthright. Um, and then when my dad put me into MMA, when I was 14 at the MMA lab, I, I literally, from the first day, my first jiu-jitsu class, I, I told my dad, like, this is, uh, this is the one, this is, uh, like I, the, the plan to be in the military was like three, four years. Like I was already doing practice as VABs as a kid and learning all the cool tricks and tips. My, my dad can teach me and stuff as far as like, you know, being out in the field and whatnot. And, uh, like I said, as soon as I did my first jiu-jitsu class, I literally, I fell in love and I was like, this is, this is my own thing. So the rest is history, as they say, uh, 12 years ago. <laughs> I love that, man. Uh, so I think it's safe to say Brazilian jiu-jitsu was like the first, uh, like discipline you really kind of started to take to. Yeah. The, um, I, when I went to the MMA lab, we didn't know how to go about, I've never been to MMA gym before or anything. So very first class, uh, obviously being owned by John Crouch and Benson was Gracie Jiu Jitsu. Got got the gi on for the first time. Uh, I remember my that lesson like it was yesterday. It was a uh, same side smash pass, uh, half guard, and then side control, and then you finish an Americana in side control, and then you do a chair sit pass to mount, and then you finish an Americana from mount. And uh, like I said, it was a uh, it was love at first sight. It was crazy. <laughs> It's incredible how quick you fall in love with that kind of thing. Instantaneous. And it was, yeah. uh, it was so taken back because uh, I used the loner gi um, at the time. And then uh, I didn't know where to put it. And before I could even ask Benson, Benson grabbed, grabbed it right, right out of my hands. And he's like, oh, I got you. Don't worry. Threw it in the trash bin for me. And I was like, this guy, he was a WEC champ at the time. And I was like, he's, he's, throwing, he's throwing out my geese. Like, like I'm the one that's important. So, uh like I said, the culture and, and the training was just it was something I never felt before. And, uh, I, I fell in love. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Like, um, any, I mean, if you've ever listened to the podcast before, every fighter I've ever come into contact with has been exactly like that. Like mm, exactly. I, literally when I was training at American kickboxing Academy, 
I would see Khabib sweeping the mats. I would see DC teaching the like eight and nine year olds, the youth classes. And those kids were better than us, dude. They're so freaking good. <laughs> like I would literally just get to like, get there like 30 minutes early and I'd watch and be like, Oh dude, this nine year old would just make me hate life. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I always, uh, I always go to some type of kids wrestling program while I'm in camp. So if I'm out here, I'm at uh, Olympus wrestling uh, with Angel Cejudo. And then if I'm out in California, I'm either at Mark Munoz's place or, or, or Ian and I's uh, roommate Heber Castillo's program. And I get with those high school kids and they, they just beat me up, man. And, <laughs> and I get, you know, that's what I use for, for the bulk of my camp is hard wrestling with these freaking high schoolers that are hoping to be Olympic hopefuls and Fargo national champions. So if, uh, if, if you guys want to get right, then, then go to the kids wrestling class for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Words to live by. Yeah, exactly. um, so, okay. So Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is like the first thing that you really took to. Mm-hmm. Um, what about as far as the striking game? Cause I feel like your striking is really crispy too. And I mean, just going back to kind of what that person said, like, can you do anything else? I feel like you could strike if you really needed to, but you haven't really had to in your fights. No, not in, in the moment that I do get to strike and I, and I start feeling it, then, then people start, uh, they start becoming hard wrestlers for some reason. Right. So, uh, my, uh, so my dad is, uh, my dad's from New Jersey and he got me into MMA. And so even before we started training, it was like, let's go in the basement and let's learn how to box, you know, like old school type stuff. And so I credit like the striking and the, and the willingness to kind of, uh, box in the pocket and fight, um, from my dad and from, from being from New Jersey. Cause in New Jersey, you're doing one or two things where I'm from. You're either wrestling or you're, you're fighting out in the streets. So we would go to the local boxing club and it's just a rundown freaking ring with tape everywhere and stuff. And I'd go scrap with these guys as a kid, you know? So, um, and my dad too. <laughs> so, uh, as far as striking goes, like that was almost, yeah, I did jujitsu and I started grappling first, but man, like when I started, when I started figuring out I had these, I was like, that's, that's where it's at. <laughs> Absolutely. It's very easy to fall in love with your hands, uh, especially once you realize how good you are with them. And mm-hmm. again, I, I've seen, I've seen your videos that you post. I've seen your fights. There's a reason that you always end up on the ground. And just, it's just like you said, once you tag somebody once or twice, all of a sudden they become a panic wrestler very quickly. exactly i agree and it's uh so it just it made me want to you know when i was an amateur when i first met ian i was one in three um and those three losses came because i would would throw hands and then these guys that were you know not high level wrestlers but panic shooters and you know they do everything they can to get to the get to the ground i would end up on the guy pull guillotines without a veil and i'd end up on the ground and i'm like dude what do i do and so I took, when I met Ian, I kind of took a, a mental note of like, all right, do I want to be like a freaking Mike Perry where I like, everyone knows that they can just take me to the ground, but on the feet, I'm going to, I'm going to bust you up or do I want to become great at everything? So when I met Ian, I really made it a point to, to become a good wrestler, not just on like a local scene, but like, let me take down the best guys. Let me, who's the national champion? Who's the best guy in the room? Let me try it. Let me test my metal. You know, I didn't want to be that guy that just got by wrestling so really up my game Ian helping me a lot you know he's a, he's a kid that he's you've seen him he's freaking tanked out he's bulky I always make fun of him he always got a that Josh Emmett build uh, <laughs> he hates that but uh the man's tanked out and uh if I if I can keep Ian off me at least for for a couple rounds and there's nobody in this world that's going to be able to, to hold me down you know I love that absolutely yeah. love that um, so I know you said you, your, your dad was into boxing. Um, you guys would go to the boxing gym. So mm-hmm. obviously I'm sure you've seen a couple of boxing fights in your, in your time. Oh, who's sure. your favorite, who's your favorite boxer of all time? Favorite boxer of all time of all times. You gotta be Manny Pacquiao. I mean, okay. I'm, I'm Filipino. Even before I even got into MMA or fighting my grandpa, my dad, I mean, we would never miss Manny Pacquiao fight. Um, under Manny is Lomachenko. Obviously he's, one of the best guys technically in the world. Um, but yeah, Manny, Manny just embodied that, uh, that fight anybody, anytime, 
any weight spirit and uh he was the little guy like me that kind of beat up the big guy so i was like i love that man so absolutely people always seem to want to fight pacquiao up until they were in there with him <laughs> yeah right <laughs> sorry what were you saying i didn't mean to cut in so i was just asking the same question who's your number one boxing Oh, uh, number one of all time. Uh, my grandpa would roll over in his grave if he heard me hear this. Uh, say this, Prince Nassim. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I love. Yeah, I just, I love, love, love the way he moves, the confidence, and he's the opposite of the the style of fighter I would usually like. Like, really? you can ask Ian. We go back and forth. I'm not a Conor McGregor fan by any means. I don't like the arrogant trash talkers, but man, he was different. <laughs> just like he would get me so excited when I was watching him fight. Even even just the entrances, right? He's coming in on a freaking being carried in like a like a like a magic carpet ride, and he's wearing the the, the cheetah skin and <laughs> crazy. And he'd hop in the ring. He'd do like front flips in the front ring, flip over the ropes. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm 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 the same way. I like I'm more of a, a basics kind of guy when it comes to boxing. But how could you not like people like Prince Nassim? Man, those guys make make boxing fun. Yeah, like I, 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 there. Every time I knew that guy was fighting, I would literally like be like, "Hey, can we go visit Pop?" Because I knew my Pop would be like, want to watch the the boxing fights. Um, mm -hmm. and literally, he would hate that I'd cheer for that guy because he's like, <laughs> he's an arrogant piece of shit. What are you doing? <laughs> he, had he had skills, man. Dude, he was so good, so good. Yeah. Um, okay, so switching switching back over to MMA. Who's your favorite mixed martial artist of all time? Oh man, yeah, I you know I, I was uh, I was listening to this question with Ian. And you were at the end, and I had a two parter. I had favorite martial artist of all time, and then favorite martial martial artist of like the modern day because it's like you can't even compare, right? Favorite Love that. favorite martial artist of all time. I mean, I I would never miss an Anderson Silva fight, you know. I, w I would never, and uh, no matter even if I thought like the next guy was going to be the guy to give him the tough fight, the Chael Sonnen fight, even the second Chael Sonnen fight, like there wasn't a moment where like even if you wanted him to win or lose, you weren't going to watch, and something crazy was going to happen. That's that's all I got to say. Obviously, GSP being right there, head to head. Um, as far as like modern day era, man, Demetrius Johnson. I mean. How do you bet against Demetrius Johnson in any fight? You know, <laughs> you don't. You don't bet against DJ. He's literally he's 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 incredible. Like, I mean, you saw what he did in his last fight. He literally took the guy that beat him, and he's like, "Oh, I'm going to do the same thing, and I'm going to make it look even more impressive." Mm -hmm. And, I, and I, you know, I know that you GSP's your top guy, and I think I think Demetrius Johnson is a almost a successor to GSP, right? Like. There, there wasn't a part where Demetrius Johnson in his in the UFC where all right he's a grappler okay he's gonna he's gonna out grapple you. all right he's a striker okay he's a jiu-jitsu black belt okay he's gonna arm bar you right like so for GSP to take that mantra of like I'm gonna take his strength and beat him at it so he doesn't have anything for me same thing for Demetrius Johnson like he really it was really, really inspiring especially for someone like that didn't do anything in wrestling in high school, like the best thing I was in Arizona was like top, number eight and uh, never really got up to the higher level. Like it's, it's inspiring to see people like GSP, Demetrius Johnson, who got out grappled in their early fights by better wrestlers and better grapplers. And then they were like, all right, I'm going to become the best grappler. They're, that's never going to happen again. So it's, uh, I take a lot of inspiration from those guys a lot. Oh, absolutely. And just kind of echoing to, to the tune of what you said, I completely agree that DJ, I would say, is the the most modern day successor of of GSP. Um, like Mighty Mouse is, he's perfect in, in in every aspect of the word when it comes to martial arts. He's had what one loss in the last uh, decade, <laughs> if, if you want to call it that, or two, two. Um, and I mean, realistically, if if you look at it that way, losses. I mean, you know this. You said you were one in three when you met Ian, right? Um, Losses make you grow. Like at AKA, we always preach there's winning and there's learning. There's no, or yeah, there's winning and there's learning. There's no losing here. So mm. every time DJ loses, I, I genuinely feel bad for whoever the hell faces him next because they are in trouble. You got to know he's coming back and whatever you did to him, 
he's going to be able to do it to you better. He's going to be able to do it to you harder, and he's going to be able to do it to you in an embarrassing way. Yeah. He, 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 I mean, look, look at his fights, man. I mean, like the Ray Borg fight stands out, and what did Ray Borg say? No one can scramble with me. No one can, no one can wrestle and, and keep up with my pace. What did DJ do? Scramble with him, <laughs> keep up with the pace. He had moments. Ray Borg had moments. He had Wilson Hayes. He's he's Alliance's uh, coach now, jiu-jitsu coach, MMA coach, and he was a high-level black belt. When he DJ him. made him look like an amateur on the mat. Even uh, in, and I think like even the better fights that look better, Kyoji Horiguchi, right? He fought he fought him, Alu Bagatinov, who was juiced to the gills, you know, like yeah. it's it's it really is impressive. And like you you talk about AKA, it's like when you lose, especially AKA being such a, a wrestling eccentric gym, when you're wrestling so much. There's no time to, to wallow in self pity, right? Like you lose, no. you gotta you gotta wrestle another tournament the next weekend. You don't have time to be like, oh my gosh, I lost this and that to, to wallow in self pity. You the only thing you have time for in wrestling is to get better, right? So that's what that's what that's why I love uh, I love you're able to kind of connect with with us on that level too. Is there's no there's no room to to be pity porn, right? <laughs> No, absolutely. Like, and, and there's, there's not even time. There's not even enough time to nurse your injuries, like let alone have a pity party. Like yeah. you're, you got to jump right back into training because if you're not, there's another young, hungry kid that's going to get better than you. Even if you're better than him today, you take today off. Maybe he's better than you tomorrow. Yeah. And that doesn't sit well. <laughs> so yeah. you got to get back in there. Especially if you're doing well for yourself, then you, you do have that target on your back. People, people are going to be watching like, you know, obviously in MMA, like I know, like I'm not, I'm not the best in the world or, or whatever, but I know that the more I start performing the way I do, there's going to be people watching the videos. There's going to be people, you know, just as I look at guys coming up in the UFC and, and, and contender series in my weight class, Ian and I always watch the 35ers and 25ers and we're like, all right, that's the kid. Like kid that's five and oh, that, that doesn't have a lot of experience. I'll see that kid. I know people that are under me that are saying the same exact thing. And that's what motivates me as well to, and not kind of coast with the, even with these wins. Absolutely. You can't get complacent. It's when you're at the top that you have to try the hardest to, to stay there. Mm -hmm. um, so we have got a question from Z here. He said, how do you guys feel about the idea of Anderson Silva teaming up with Jake Paul to make an organization to pay fighters better than the UFC? Uh, I'll let you go first. So I personally think it's a great idea. I actually read uh, kind of the, the laid out plan that he said either today or yesterday. I think it was this morning that he posted about it. Um, mm -hmm. And basically he wants to raise like, I think he said like $50 million and basically set up this uh, funding organization to where when a fighter is underpaid, they can help them out with paychecks, with covering medical bills, making sure that they're well off and not struggling and having to work two, three jobs while training, mm -hmm. um, which I'm sure you can relate to. Right. Exactly. Um, so my that that's my positive side. I think that it's a great idea in theory. Now, mm -hmm. Doing my research and having followed Jake Paul's career up until now, you know, he was cute before he did the boxing thing. He was the Disney kid. Yeah. And then once he got into the boxing thing, what I realized about him even before that, when he got into the YouTube thing is he's very smart when it comes to business. He does. He does very smart, lucrative business deals. Mm -hmm. But what he tends to do with the NFTs and things like that is he gets people bought into an idea. He gets investors bought into an idea. He makes his money and then Thanos snap. He's, he's fucking gone. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, cool, I'll let these people keep doing it if they feel the need to, but I made my money. I'm out. Mm -hmm. So I, I worry that that might be the same situation with this, mm -hmm. but I do think I, it's good in theory. I agree. Yeah, I definitely, I think anything that helps, helps, make the sport bigger and anything that anybody that has the, the right intention to come in and help, help the sport in a positive way, not just bring more eyes to it, but to, to bring more money to the fighters. It's awesome. I mean, that's the, that's the whole goal of like uh, the, the organization that I fight for uh, freedom fights and their newer promotion called. Can you hear me? Okay, cool. Yes. Yes. I can um, hear you. Um, United Fight League is uh, owned by uh, Rampage, Frank Mir, and Tito, and it's uh, headed by this guy named Harrison Rogers, who's a pol political figure out here in Arizona. And uh, it's kind of the same thing as far as they want to build an organization by fighters for fighters. So 
Um, I haven't really looked at my contract that I, I was able to win from my last fight with U, UFL. Um, but they said they wanted to do healthcare. They said they wanted to do stake in the company. A lot of big things, right? Um, so kind of the same thing with the Jake Paul thing is if, if those promises can be fulfilled, even at a halfway mark, I think that changes the game on both sides. And to answer your question with Jake Paul and Anderson Silva specifically, um, yeah, I mean, Jake Paul's got the name. He, I mean, I've watched Jake and Logan Paul when they were vying guys and they're doing like wrestling vines at Walmart. They got, they got in their wrestling singlets and they would rip off their sweats and they would pretend to wrestle people in the middle of Walmart when they're actually funny. So for that name and then Anderson Silva to kind of do, if they can just do something together, maybe an organization, maybe a union, like I said, anything that fulfills like half of what they want to say, come on now, what's, what's, what's the hurt, right? Cause if it fails, then we're just back to the normal part of MMA. <laughs> so if we don't try, if these guys don't try and, and fighters aren't getting on board with these guys and backing them up too, then, uh, and again, we're just we're right back to just watching UFC again. <laughs> so no hurt in trying, right? I completely agree. I think there's no harm in trying. I think it's a great concept. And again, like you said, like worst case scenario, cool. We're back where we started. Yeah. <laughs> so no harm, no foul. Like it's not like they're gonna be like, oh no, you guys were behind this lashings. Mm -hmm. Like that's not yeah. how it works. <laughs> and, and the and the UFC isn't hurting if an organization fails at that, right? Like no, not at all. Um. So and, and I sorry. No, no, go ahead. And, and I, I was going to say the UFC won't be hurting if organization does better. I, I think I think everyone doing better um, helps the sport grow. So, absolutely. Uh, what's what's the phrase? Uh, a rising boat or a rising tide lifts all boats, right? No, I like that. And and I I also believe that the UFC could stand to have some better competition, and that would only make them grow and, and continue to increase their production value, continue to increase fighter pay, which is the end game goal of all of this. Mm -hmm. Um, so my buddy, Arthur, the Blackado, he asked, will a fighters union exist once Dana White is out of the picture? Mm -hmm. I'll let you take know. this one first. Yeah. I don't know about that. I don't, you know what, for, for me, especially being so young in my professional career, like, but I've been in the, the sport of MMA for 12 years. Um, I, I don't really have a good grasp on what people mean by having a set fighters union because everyone says fighters union. We want to do this. We want to do that. What does that really mean? And then what do the, what does the individual exactly plan when they, when they, because everyone says fighters union. Everyone's like, when you're, when you get up on the stand, you're like, yeah, I want to build a fighters union. And that sounds awesome. And people are like, yeah, let's get behind it. It's like, what do you exactly mean? And what are you really trying to do? You know, but as far as fighting, having a fighters union after Dana leaves, uh, I don't know. I don't think Dana, it's not like Dana uh, controls whether we're able to have a fight. You know, it's it, um, when Hunter Campbell takes over after Dana, the, the control over MMA is going to be the same. It's not like he's going to stop a fighter's union. It stops itself. <laughs> so it's really up to people to, again, get behind these types of ideas. And really, as you talk about, like with Jake Paul, not stop halfway be with his business ventures and really just hit the ground running and continue and understand like if you really want to create a fighters union or an organization that'll help the fighters more you gotta you gotta go 100 percent in this isn't a half in half outdoor because i'm not half in half out so why would the organization or union that i'm hoping to be a part of be half and half out right absolutely fair point um I think I think that is a very, very valid question is we we constantly hear like we need a fighters union. If we had a fighters union, it would be so beneficial. It would help. Um, you know, I have a lot of friends that that are carpenters and they work for, you know, they have a union and they constantly bitch about the union <laughs> that's supposed to take care of them. So like realistically, I think a very valid question is what what does having a fighters union mean for fighters? What are, what is that union actually going to do for the fighters? And what is that union going to require from the fighters in order to do their job? Exactly. Are they going to be taking a part of that money that they're helping fight to get them better pay for? So there's just a, there's a lot of unanswered questions. And I think 
again, like you said, if if they start this, as long as they continue pushing and it's not like, oh, cool, we started something. Now we'll pump the brakes because that's what always happens. Like, example, when um, Francis Ngannou started standing up against Dana White and, and low fighter pay, I truly believe in my heart of hearts that if the other two, like literally like champs from the same country as him, right? Like they all talk about being Nigerian champs. You got the Nigerian nightmare. You got uh, Izzy who's fighting this weekend. I think if those three guys who like, no offense to Kamara, I've never been a huge fan of him, just his personality wise, love watching his fights. He's skilled just to the teeth. But two out of three of those guys have massive star power. Mm -hmm. If even just two of them would have banded together, then we probably would have heard about that fuss a lot longer. Instead, two days after that came out about Francis, I think it was two or three days later, we literally hear that Israel Adesanya has just signed the most lucrative MMA contract of his life. Yeah. Why do you think that happened, kid? (laughs) They bought you. (laughs) They literally, they bought your mouth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's okay. Like, make your money, kid. But you can't be on both sides. You can't say like, oh, well, I want fighters to make more money. And then just like I'm sitting here doing, bitch, when Adesanya is like, yeah, I took the more money. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you can't be mad at the guy for doing what we're all trying to fight for. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if they did this whole I am Spartacus, then maybe everybody gets paid. Everybody wins. No, I agree. I, I really thought Francis was going to make some big moves um, after the whole um, – surreal gone thing you know and everyone was like oh is he gonna leave after this the contract's up he's talking about the money and it's not enough first of all i there should be no reason why francis Ngannou isn't getting paid the same as like anthony joshua Rusik. like are you freaking kidding me bro like he's the heavyweight champ of the world look what he did to, look what look what he does to people and and he just he just proves like a whole nother level to his game against surreal gone i mean he freaking wrestled you wrestle, uh, frick the guy. You know what I'm saying? So, for I understand, like, as if I was heavyweight champ of the world in UFC, and then I look at the numbers that Anthony Joshua, who's on a freaking what two fight losing streak, <laughs> you know, it's like why, why not even go over to boxing and make yeah, it's that-, like that? That guy got paid more when he admitted he didn't take a training camp seriously than I did when I literally killed myself. <laughs> <laughs> It, it would be interesting, you know. I I don't know how much you look into like how boxers make that kind of money or like what the actual business model is for for boxers um, at that level. But I mean, if if like you said, like one or two of those guys to just say, you know, we we can do this without Dana or without the the president <laughs> holding us back. If they created their own, if they created their own promotions and paired up with with like a serious serious company i mean you can make some real magic you can make some real money i really believe that you know who wouldn't want to see like you said if if israel and francis both were like f dana we're gonna do our own thing and then just started making their own i don't know if you're you go back into like mma history remember when bj penn left the ufc and was like f dana i'm gonna fight the best lightweights in my own organization that's when he fought takanari gomi on rumble on the rock in hawaii because yep. he really wanted to fight the best 155ers. And Dana was like, eh, he's a pride guy. We can't, we're kind of, nah, F you, Dana. I'm going to do my own thing. Why not do that again? But then guess what happened? Dana White took away the lightweight division. Before Shut it down. Yeah. <laughs> BJ being the, the person that he is, he was like, all right, I'm going to fight at welterweight. <laughs> but yeah, something like that, man. Something Someone needs to be brave enough to do that. And and we look back, BJ was that guy. BJ was the guy that said, F it. I'm going to, I'm going to fight anybody anywhere on my terms made rumble on the rock. And we, I don't know if you remember, we got some crazy fights on rumble on the rock. We got Carlos Conde on there. Uh, Robbie Lawler, Jake Shields beat two of those guys in one night. Like we had some fun fights at rumble on the rock back in the day. So why not do it again? <laughs> I 1000% will double tap on that point. Um, and just kind of backtracking to the kind of the first part of that, that, uh, answer you gave. So you asked like kind of if I know a little bit about why boxers are able to make as much as they make. Uh, it's the split. They mm-hmm. they get a just a much higher percentage split of business with the boxers or with the actual talent than the, the production. 
And that comes from bidding too. Like whenever they're placing these bids, a lot of times like they're structuring the bids so that like if like they're let's just say like uh Showtime is bidding to host this fight for for easy math's sake, let's say like they're putting 200 million down and it's mm-hmm. Usyk versus Joshua 3 or 4 whatever the hell the case is by this point, right? Then they know okay, well Joshua even though he's lost his last 3 or 4, he's still a bigger draw than Usyk, right? Yeah. It's just facts. He puts asses in seats, he sells pay-per-views. He's a big, scary guy that literally looks like he could be the villain from a Rocky movie. He is a physical specimen. Like, I will always watch his fights. I don't care how many times he loses. Mm-hmm. So they're going to give him 125. They're going to give you 675. Mm-hmm. But realistically, they can't give them the entirety, right? So, like, they're figuring out these stakes. But basically, they're going to give a larger lump sum to talent A versus talent B. Mm-hmm. And then across the board, no matter what that production cost to put on, the boxers are getting some like ridiculous number, like what is it, sixty percent, forty percent of of the money made. Better, better so, than you guys. <laughs> well, UFC guys are getting like I think it's like a six to like twelve percent split. It's like a, it's a god awful in comparison. Like I don't know the official numbers, but I know it's not great. Um, and if you compare it to boxing, it's like oh wow, holy shit, these guys are getting paid this much. Well, how do how like I when I look at the numbers and I read these like analyst reports and stuff, I am constantly scratching my head, Aiden. Like, how did Showtime make money on this? They yeah. paid these like they paid two guys out of the like twelve dudes on the card this mm-hmm. much money, and they sold this many pay per views. I get like going to the event can be quite expensive, but how the hell did they make money on this? But then they, that's where sponsors and, and things like that come in. And they, and they keep doing it. They keep putting on shows with millions and millions of dollars. And again, same question. Like, how are you, how are you putting 300 million split between two guys? And then, you know, the undercard gets, gets whatever, but then you keep doing it and keep doing it. So there's, there's money to be made and it's not just in boxing. Hundred percent. There's there's always money to be made. The uh, the thing is, when it comes to UFC and and a lot of mixed martial arts promotions, and I'm sure you'll see this um, all the way up to you make it to the UFC, uh, climbing your way to the top. They're not the only ones that do this, but for them, giving the fighters extra money almost feels like leaving money on the table, and we don't like leaving money on the table. Yeah. We like to put that money in our pockets. So that's how a promoter sees it. It's easy money to be made. They see that as well. If I didn't do all this work, you know, like, woe is me, they wouldn't have a stage to fight. So I deserve this money. Mm, to an extent, sure. But if they weren't literally being gladiators in a cage, you wouldn't be making this money. So uh, moving on to the next question, I could go off on that. <laughs> yeah, I could go off on a tangent on, on fighter pay for a long time. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to be like Helwani 2.0 here. Uh, so... Uh, Arthur asked another question here. So when will MMA adopt a better scoring system? That's a good one. And I will take it further and ask you, what do you think would make MMA scoring better? Genuinely. Oh man. Well, I'll tell you what I like the I like the idea of open scoring. I love that idea. Um, I've, you know, uh, when we do like Muay Thai tournaments over here in Arizona, they always have open scoring on the screen. So it's like, in the middle of rounds, you can literally look at the screen and be like, all right, you're down two rounds, right? Or you're up two rounds or it's one, one. I love that. Um, I know people are like, Oh, like, you know, people will coast in the third round as a coach, the more information you got, the better. Right. So there's no, there's no harm in having more information. Right. Um, as far as like how everything scored criteria wise, it's you, you got it. And it goes into, building the sport and you got to have like a real campus or a real institute that refs have to go to, to get qualified. You know, you, you can't just have Joe Schmoes, you know, scoring these fights when it, when, when paychecks are on the line, you know, and it, it hurts. It really does hurt watching people in the UFC literally kill themselves, you know, and then like, I don't want to say anything, but Piotr on Sean O'Malley was a little iffy. Like, <laughs> and, and both guys really did kill themselves over that fight. And it's like, whatever you see go one way or the other, it's like, that really sucks for the guy that, that everyone thought won, you know? 
And as far as how we would fix open scoring, I think it's just getting more knowledge to the people that like having a school, a school of refs, like a real legit school of refs, not just having big John McCarthy or Herb Dean, but like having a panel of people, veteran refs, veteran fighters to, to educate these guys. You don't have to be a fighter. You just got to be a little bit more educated in what you're looking at. And uh, it's, it's, it's always hard. Ian and I always have these conversations. We're like, what if we do like a, you know, like a, you know, when they throw the, the numbers up every round or some, some crazy stuff, like it's all subjective, but I think just getting more knowledge out there to the refs is, is the best thing. And having a school, a school of refing, I believe is the best way. So this, this might get me put in a guillotine uh, when, when we, when we meet in person, but I'm one of those weird guys that actually could see it for Sean O'Malley. Like, and, and I've, I've watched the fight now three times. Um, when I first watched it, I mm-hmm. literally, as the fight was ending, I was like, fuck, I wouldn't want to be a judge today mm-hmm. because the first round I thought was pretty darn close. Mm-hmm. And then the second round was obviously Peter Jan mm-hmm. and then, or Peter Jan. And then the third round was obviously Sean O'Malley in my opinion. Yeah, so I- when I went back, like, and then I, I looked at the stats afterwards and I'm like, oh shit. I mean, yeah, he had like five minutes of control time, but he landed six ground strikes. Apparently, like that's not really, that's not a whole lot. He's like, you're averaging a strike on top of me a minute. You didn't really, you didn't really whoop my ass. <laughs> like, you know that, like you don't just because you're on bottom doesn't mean you're losing. And then on top of that, when you look at when they were on the feet, I did think Sean's like every time they were connecting, Sean strikes were moving his head back. Um, and and yeah, when I went back and rewatched it. The, the next two times I was like, oh, yeah, I definitely see why the judges gave it to Sean O'Malley, because as of 2019, like the big changes were we're going off of damage. Damage is the big thing We're we're focusing on damage. If you look at damage, if you look at damage inflicted across each round on a 10 point must system, I thought one. Like, if you ask me, if you put a gun to my head, seven out of 10 times, I'm probably going to say Sean O'Malley. Yeah, no, that's round a- three, 10 out of 10. But the same thing, like for Piotr Jan. I'm giving him round one, three out of 10 times. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm giving him round two fucking 11 out of 10 times. He dominated in round two. Mm-hmm. Like Sean had nothing for him. Mm-hmm. I don't know like what kind of secret juice fucking Sean O'Malley's corner gave him in between rounds, but he was ready in round three. Mm-hmm. I, I know. I, I completely agree. I, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not the guy to, you know, just stick with the guy that I wanted to win. And I always try to look at it from like, okay, again, like how, how are the judges looking at this? Like, what what is the most lasting impression? Right, that first round was hard, and uh, was it the first round where Sean did that really cool takedown at the very end? Yes, it was. It was so slick, and they yeah. didn't count it as a takedown. Exactly, because they crazy. said it was a trip. I was like, "What the fuck, dude?" He literally he 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 spun on the outside. He yeah. got it. He got a leg behind him. It was a Muay Thai trip. Yeah, it was beautiful, mm-hmm. and he hit that on a Muay Thai guy. I literally like I was home alone that weekend and I jumped out of my fucking bed, dude. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> no, no, no. Sean was impressive, man. Like, especially going against a former champ. And it's like, um, you, when you, like you talk about, you got to look at it from the judge's point of view, as far as like what that, that was something cool. That was a highlight. Like what, what sticks out in your head at the end of the day? What, what like, it doesn't even like F all the, all the stuff in between, but like as a spectator, what popped out in your head was like Sean doing that the third round where Sean or the second round where even when Sean hit him hard and first with the overhand left and then Piotr Jan got him back, but it was still like, yes. it was here, it was left and right. And then the third round where he got him with the knee and, you know, and you can see like, especially with Piotr Jan's style, like the way he liked to cover up and move and defend, like when, even when Sean's just flurrying you, like it's, it, it, it looks more crazy than it might it might be in Piotr Jan's mind. Maybe Piotr Jan in his eyes is like, yeah, he caught me with the knee, but I'm I'm moving, I'm chilling. But to us, we're like, dude, you got you got cut, you got cracked. So it's hard, man. But going back to your question, as far as like judging, yeah, it's 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 always about educating, right? Like you're you're a lot more educated, so you understand. Yeah, the takedowns the takedowns were nice by Piotr Jan, but. What did he do with them? Did he beat the crap out of him? Mm, Sean got up really well almost every time. I was very impressed with that. I I was one of the, I've been one of those guys for years. You can ask any of the people in my close friend group. I 
have never been a Sean O'Malley fan. I think he's arrogant. I think he fights like guys that are, especially with this performance, guys that are like beneath him. He's been, he's been handpicking these guys and that's no knock on these guys. These guys are all great guys. They're just, they're not ready for a Sean O'Malley. And he proved that in this last fight. And he proved me wrong too, because like I've, the last three fights before then on the DraftKings that I host, I literally put his opponent on my yeah. DraftKings card just because I'm like, fuck Sean. Yeah. And this was the first time I literally, I was like, oh, Sean's, Sean's pretty cheap. I'll put him on my card. And when he won, I was like super shocked. And oh. like with how he won, I was even more shocked because it it wasn't like a, like if he would have went out there and somehow got like a, a quick, just boom, one shot knockout. I think that would have been less impressive than lasting yeah. the full distance with, like yeah. you said, a former champion and somebody that is a hundred percent that guy, like mm-hmm. Piotr Jan is a monster. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to fight that guy. And he's much smaller than me. <laughs> and like, and I, and like I I've trained, like I'm not just some like random dude on the street, but there, no fucking way. Mm-hmm. You can't pay me. <laughs> I don't want that. And he went out there and, Here's this guy that people like make fun of and they're like, oh, he fights cans. He's he's not he's not ready for the top 10. Mm-hmm. And he fought number one. Mm-hmm. And in the in three judges eyes or two out of three, he beat him. Yeah, that's wild. And, 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 and you, you can't even say former champ. He's a two time. He's a he's a champion and an interim champ. He's got two belts. Yeah, you know? he's a beast. <laughs> he's, he's a killer. He's a world beater. Um, and look at what he made. You know, even the both fights with Aljamain Sterling, look how Piotr Jan made him look, you know what I'm saying, in both those fights, if we're going to be complete. Like, after he got his back taken, the second fight, round four and five, even Aljo's like, yeah, I got my ass beat in those last two rounds, but I won. <laughs> like, so, I think I think Piotr Jan should just fight five rounds from here on out, every fight. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think that's a safe bet. If, if, I'm, if I'm Piotr Jan's manager, I'm negotiating a five-round fight into every contract. Or, or leave, right? Or like, leave. that's... That's a person that could, if he went back to Russia or even like an Asian card where he can actually need people on the head while they're on the ground. I mean, that guy could make, I, I guarantee you he, he, he's making at least like 500K. Easy. Oh, and he's murdering people. And he's, he's, making it look, he's making it look just masterful. Murdering guys. So, you know, going back to the whole, how, you know, expansion of the sport and everything. That's another guy that has that kind of star power, I think, at least in the European scene. Imagine him in Russia. So he'd crush in (laughs) Russia. Um, Okay. So last fan question. And then I've got just a couple more for you. So the black wants to know, could the UFC benefit by putting on shows similar to one championship by mixing in things like grappling, Muay Thai events, kickboxing, et cetera. Mm. I think that plays perfectly into what you're saying about Peter, Peter Jan, right? Like Mm. you imagine that guy on a Muay Thai card for the UFC. Uh, It gives me goosebumps thinking about, you know, there's, (laughs) there's two parts to this. And, uh, one, as a fan, I would love to see multiple sports. I mean, one does it. Ryzen, Ryzen had Keoji Horiguchi fight Tenshin Nasakawa in a special rules kickboxing. Like, come on, bro. Who, like you said, who wouldn't want to see, like, a Muay Thai Piotr Jan against, like, Rod Tang? Let's bring over Rod Tang. Like, come Damn. on. Um, I know, I know, uh, what's that kid's name? Muskemi, the jiu-jitsu one champ? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, Mike, Mike Mushimi. Yeah, he wants to From go. One. Yeah, like... But at the same time, I feel like UFC has to keep their identity as the ultimate fighting champion. UFC, this is MMA. This is the this is the uh, the NFL of MMA, essentially, right? So they got to keep it kind of geared towards one audience. I wouldn't be. I mean, remember when Dana was going to do Zufa boxing and Anson? Anson- what? Whatever happened to that? And they and they got Anthony Joshua and freaking Gypsy King on the UFC game. Like, yeah, what happened to that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, well, we're still waiting, Dana. <laughs> I don't know if you remember, but Bellator used to do those double events. They used to have the cage right next to the kickboxing ring. I I went to one of those uh, when they did it in San Jose, oh. and I had no idea that it was a double event. So I went, and it was it was me and it was me and Mary, and uh, we got there. Like I was just going because one of my buddies was fighting on the card that trained with me at AKA uh, Daniel Gonzalez. Okay, and, and he he was the first fight on the card. He won by knockout. He killed his opponent. It was like a 46 second or some shit. Um, and then literally like we're enjoying the card and then the fight card ends and I'm like, all right, baby, ready to go. And as we're getting ready to go, they like literally like shine the light on the other cage. That's like B 
behind the like in a different part of the crowd and i'm like what the, the heck? fuck is happening right now <laughs> <laughs> and they're like and now bellator kickboxing i'm like what the fuck is happening there was like another like five or six fights afterwards and i was like uh two shows you, and one. i was like are you down to stay for at least some of this she's like yeah absolutely <laughs> how are those fights oh they were sick <laughs> they were great fights yeah, I think I want to say who was on that card. I think it was Benson Henderson was uh, on the main or co-main event of the actual Bellator card that night. Um, yeah, I'd have to look it up. But yeah, it was a dope ass card. They had a lot of like stuff for the fans there. I got to meet um, Fedora Milianenko, uh, took a picture with him. Mary was like, should I leave you two alone? I was like, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> That's a legend, man. That's so dope. <laughs> yeah, dude, it was it was sick. Um yeah, I got like the little bobblehead they were handing out. It was a cool event, honestly. Bellator, I will say, puts on really good events. I was just going to say that, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Their their live events are are amazing. I feel like the you don't get the same production on TV that you do if you go live for Bellator. I always thought that Bellator was was for more geared towards the fan experience live as opposed to like UFC, it's geared towards the production as far as what you see on TV, right? Like even like I, I was, I went to the last WC event and they were, you know, they're having like freaking stations in during the fight or like, you know what I'm saying? Like stuff outside, like stuff for the fans, UFC, you get the music, you get the videos on the thing and then you get the fights and like, that's yeah. it. And that's what you pay for. But like, again, like Bellator, like I wish they brought back the kickboxing, like that opens the market so much so going back to your question as far as like ufc doing multiple things do zufa boxing and just do it on the side like i know dana white's doing slap slap whatever <laughs> yeah he's doing like ultimate slap fighting or slap boxing or whatever like dude just do zufa boxing on fight pass dude exactly like or most of us have fight pass already anyway like give us something else to watch out there <laughs> yeah I and mean, that that should be i mean it in even with ian's saying is that that would be too easy so <laughs> or yeah, that would be too I, much sense yeah, that'd make too much sense. That'd make too much sense. I agree. Um, okay, so back to back to a couple questions from me. So I'm gonna do one more like UFC or MMA question. Okay. And then we'll then we'll do just a couple of outside of MMA questions for fun. Sounds good. So if if you could choose any athlete outside of mixed martial arts, and it could even be a boxer, mm -hmm. I feel like that's an easy route, but it can even be a boxer. Um, any athlete outside of mixed martial arts. Who do you think transitions best to the sport? Any athlete outside of mixed martial arts, huh? Anybody outside of it? Oh man, you know it's hard. It's hard that you know because I don't really watch too much um, anything outside the sport of uh, combat sports. But that's I, fair. <laughs> I, honestly, say anybody that's uh, that's that's in that that NFL lineup. You know what I'm saying? Like we get it. We get people that are built like Greg Hardy. But younger and, and less domestic violent, um, and, and you train them from the ground up. Like we, we Ian and I talk about this with the roommate all the time. It's like MMA gets like the bottom of the barrel when it comes to athletes because like we don't have anything better to do. We're not cool enough or big enough to do football or basketball. But if you were to get a basketball player that's six eight, six nine, a football player that's like six five, six six, two hundred fifty, sixty pounds, he could run. He can run his butt off and sprint as hard as he can. Like we got, we got Greg Hardy at a weird time, and we got him post NFL. Like all we, uh, if you got a kid that was looking to get into the NFL, that's just a unit, and then you're like, mm, let's spend like two years of just straight MMA, man. Like any one of those, any one of those guys on the combine, honestly. So I don't have any specific names, but I'm gonna say anybody on the on an NFL combine is 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 able to be. A freaking at least in the top ten at heavyweight. If if so, have you ever heard of DK Metcalf? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the guy that I'm literally picturing when you're when you're describing your perfect guy. Um, let me just can I am I able to actually present this picture? <laughs> this guy's a freak athlete. Yes, um, not just the double leg and overhands. I mean, you're you're in the top ten and you uh, heavyweight, <laughs> dude. Yeah. Like, look at this. Let's see here. Oh, perfect. Look at this guy. Oh my goodness, 6'3", 228 pounds. 
1.6% body fat. So check it out. The only reason I know about this guy and, and to your point of what you said earlier, right? Like the, mm-hmm. I, the only thing that I watch is combat sports. So mm-hmm. just like you, I don't really know a lot of these people, but I got the invite from the fiance's family to the, you know, the family fantasy football league. Yeah, and so, uh, yeah. So I started asking him like, Hey, uh, you know, you're really good at this and I'm really not going to be good at this. So any advice you have, I'm all for it. And so I just basically start listening to all the players that he talks about. And I'm like, is there anybody you're excited about in your other league? He mentioned DK Metcalf like last year. And he's like, yeah, um, a lot of the, a lot of the, uh, you know, elite like analysts and, and professionals that are like doing all this stuff on this, that are telling people who not to draft are saying they don't think he's going to do well because he's like too buff and he doesn't have body fat. And so they think he's just like not going to have a gas tank, but then he's still a fucking freak on the field. This kid. Yeah. So and, I think somebody like that, I mean, MMA is lucky. <laughs> it really is. And that, and to people watching, that's not a, oh, just because he's big and has abs and, and is bigger than everyone, it doesn't mean he's going to be the best in the UFC. But man, strength and size and, and athleticism goes such and, a way in MMA. You know? And trainability. You know that guy's trainable. He's, he's literally a professional athlete already. Mm-hmm. So he's coachable. He listens to a coach already. You get that guy, a, a Muay Thai coach, you get him a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu coach, you get him like three or four guys that that know their discipline, give that guy like two years and he's murdering heavyweights. And you got to do it the right way, right? Like you can't just take like someone like Greg Hardy and be like, all right, we're going to do MMA. We're going to teach you the ins and outs. No, it's like put on a gi, put on your white belt, and you're going to do Jiu-Jitsu for two hours every day on top of everything else. But, you, you know, going back to like the kids wrestling program, I tell you I keep doing is like, if you want to be good at something, you got to get to the core of it. And if you want to be good at jujitsu, you got to get in jujitsu class. You know what I'm saying? And, and learn how to shrimp and learn how to defend an arm bar. Learn how to defend a rear naked choke. If you want to be good at wrestling, get your ass in a kid's wrestling class and learn how to do a double leg. Because those, like you've seen, those kids know how to freaking wrestle and they're kids. <laughs> they know how to do it better than me. I promise you. I, I was I, I'm a Muay Thai guy like I, uh, I I'll strike all day and my goal is to make sure that you don't get on top of me if you do I'm just trying to get back to my feet I right. don't want to play your game I don't want to get in your guard like get away get away from me with all that shit <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not a grappler like me, me and Ian have had this conversation I'm like you I've seen you grapple uh, you would not be fun for me to spar unless we're doing like just stand up sparring then like maybe it'll be fun for me yeah. <laughs> and yeah. even then it's a big baby because i'm rusty um yeah. <laughs> so uh yeah arthur said he wishes gable stevenson went mma instead of wwe don't we all yeah that, don't that, we all that'll be the day he's still young that'll be yeah, the day. Well, he's still very young yeah even if he did like a normal local pro fight like just let me see what he's gonna do to somebody <laughs> thank you thank you that's all i want to see like i just i just want to see what he like just, just let us see what let us see it happen like is he is he like a Bo nickel is he that guy i, I think, think it'll be like dc and strike force he's just oh, people and just uh, people forget dc and strike force when he was like eight no nine to no he was destroying dudes he was nasty so love dc man love those guys at aka love those guys dc is the reason i went to train at aka because i found out that aka wasn't that far from me it was like a 30 minute drive when i was in san jose and I had just started training and uh I grew up in Louisiana. DC is like that guy. So yeah. I was like, dude, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop in for a little uh sample class, you know, my own athletic ass. And let's see how this goes. Great times. The rest is history, huh? The rest is history, man. Uh years there. Yeah, That's- good times. So I feel like all of these interviews, and you're gonna have tons of these interviews going through your career, you're gonna get asked tons of MMA questions, you know, what did you do differently in this fight camp versus last fight camp? What's your go-to submission? All that stuff. Um, so just kind of breaking the monotony of MMA questions. I'm just going to kind of go off the cusp. Okay. What is, uh, do you have any hobbies or like hidden talents outside of mixed martial arts? Ooh, hidden talents. Me. Um, babe, do I have any hidden talents, babe? Oh yeah. Let's, let's bring in the guest speaker. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll, uh, what do they call on um, lifeline? Phone a friend. Yeah, phone a friend. Man, um, when I'm in, um, when I'm not fighting, or when I'm not in camp, or I'm not coaching somebody, I'm always, I'm always getting lost in the video games. I love. I've always been part of video games. 
whether now it's UFC four, I'm asking and I'm, I, I wake up in the morning when I live with them, hop on UFC four and I jump to practice. But when I, when I really don't have anything going on, man, I really like getting lost in really good stories, of video games, and these open world games, and these RPGs. And I'm a huge nerd. That's, that's, that was, that was me. Um, Oh, Ian, Ian told me I like making prison meals too. I like when I'm in camp, I'll like just throw things together. Prison um, slop. <laughs> dude, prison slop. Just get my protein and, and carbs and starches and stuff in the way I'll throw it. I'll throw beef and eggs together. So, uh, um, but I definitely pride myself in making some bomb foods while you're in camp. Like I got this, uh, bef- the day of my fight, I'll, uh, I'll make like a protein waffle egg, egg McGriddle by myself. Mm. So I'll like get protein waffles, get, um, cook up a, a fat beef patty with, with uh, salt, you know, caramelized mushrooms and bacon and cheese. And it's like just protein pack, like 12 carbs and like 50, 60 grams of protein. And I'll eat that the day of my fight, just this fat breakfast sandwich. So I pride myself in making that, but as far as hidden talents, man, I, I love video games for sure. It sounds like cooking is in there too. I mean, I, I was going to say next morning card. If you're, if you're local, I might have to have you over. <laughs> yeah, I'll make, I'll make you some bomb breakfast for sure. <laughs> Let's go. Um, okay. So what is, since you brought up food, what is your go-to? You just said your go-to like day of the fight meal. What's your go-to like post fight meal or dessert? Like what are you, a, are you a sweet guy or? No, I'm a, I'm a eat everything type of guy. Um, okay. After the fight, Ian and I usually get some cheesy crust pizza, meat lovers pizza, um, and then we kind of share it, share a share a bite of it. But uh, this this fight, I wasn't really feeling that, um, so we just got some uh, some uh, fried chicken sandwiches. So yeah, couldn't go wrong with that. I got him one, so, you know, stay lean for his camp coming up or his fight coming up, and uh, it was a good, it was a good. And I had some ice cream on the side, so either a nice good fried chicken sandwich or some pizza, I'm I'm all good. Love it. Love it. And then you finish it off with ice cream. My kind of guy. <laughs> love that. Um, okay. So what is your favorite, like what's your go-to TV show? Oh, man. I really, you know, this, this past camp, we've been watching a lot of that Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> oh my God. I, I, my fucking friends keep telling me I look like him because like, since I dyed the hair and the glasses, yeah, it's, no, you don't. You don't look as creepy, bro. You, you're like. Thank the, you. I appreciate it. I'm like, we're just gonna watch some fights, and then you can go. <laughs> fights, and we're done. <laughs> but uh, no, um, I, you know, it's my whole life is immersed around MMA. So when I do, when I do get out of out of my own head, get my head out of my butt, and I, I watch, I watch with the family and stuff. It's always, it's always like mystery documentaries or like some type of like. I always like. Um, I love criminal stuff because I like learning about like psychosis of that. Like I like learning about like why and, and what drove these people to do these things. And, uh, um, and just from an entertainment standpoint, it's like, it's pretty freaking crazy that people are capable of, of crazy things like that. So, uh, keeps me on your toes. You know what I'm saying? You're like, you gotta watch out for, for people. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's always good to know a little bit more about human nature, you know, nothing wrong with that. Uh, great to know why people are the way they are. And, uh, like you said, it's great to kind of open your eyes and be like, oh, there are some there are some freaks out there. I should definitely uh, not just trust everybody, maybe as blindly as I have before. <laughs> and, and the true stories are, 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 I think, better than these fictional stories you can read in a book or learn from a learn from a video like these, you know, these creepypastas and stories people make up. Like you, you can't write half the things that happen. Like if you watch that Jeffrey Dahmer thing, like you can't write half of the things in there because it's it's so it's so in depth and so complex and like, so like everything this man did, you know, and just, a, just an example, like Jeffrey Dahmer got baptized in prison the same day that John Wayne Gacy got executed. And they had a, they had a, a solar eclipse happening at the same time. Like wow. you can't, right. You can't like, that's something that's like some freaking Illuminati Satan stuff, right? Like you, you that's can't next level. Yeah, you can't write something like that in a in a book. So just no. from an entertainment standpoint, it's always like criminal minds type type stuff. So yeah, <laughs> I, I don't hate that. I mean, like I said, it, I'm 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 always uh, all about learning. Like mm. I always like watching good docu series and things like that. Uh, if it's too dark, we don't watch because Mary is uh, you know she's kind of a wimp when it comes to that kind of stuff. But <laughs> we we love watching like documentaries and stuff. Mm. Um, 
I definitely haven't watched the Dahmer one yet. I apparently should. I've heard about it now from, I think, fucking everybody I know. <laughs> it's not even like a documentary. I, I, I feel like I'm making a commercial for this freaking thing, but uh, it's it's it made by, with the pitch. <laughs> it's made by the same people that made Black Mirror, or not Black Mirror. Um, uh, man, what is that? Um, American Horror Story. Oh, okay. I love the first. See, like that's a show that I used to love, and then I feel like I fell off. Yeah, so it's kind of the same like eeriness and creepiness too. So it's like a real story, but it has that like Hollywood creepiness to it. And I, it, it just it makes it makes it such a great show. So yeah, yeah, I'm gonna watch that one without Mary for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it gets it gets dark for sure. Obviously, yeah, I'll, I'll watch that one without her. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so question question um it, are you the same when it comes to like movies or are you not a big movie guy either oh, i'm a huge movie guy huge. okay all right i'll try what? not i try not to talk too much about movies but i'm a big uh movie guy <laughs> okay so top three movies if if you have to like literally sit down someone who woke up like caveman status they've never seen a movie in their entire life and you're like you have to see these three movies these oh. are the first three movies you need to see Mm-hmm. What are those movies? Number one is Back to the Future. Oh, that's awesome! That's you know, a great pick. My dad introduced me to that movie, so it's 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 an '80s movie. It's freaking amazing. It's classic. Um, number two, um, something that really inspired me was the first Karate Kid. Another '80s throwback. Um, kind of like me, right? Like I was a I was a kid from New Jersey, and I, I moved to Arizona, kind of the west side of the of the country, and that's where I learned my my technical prowess and my MMA training and whatnot. And, uh, kind of the same with, uh, Daniel, Daniel Russo and, uh, moved cross country. He was kind of a loser kid and he found a gym and, uh, the rest was history. So karate kid, uh, back to the future. And, uh, hopefully I don't get too much hate for this, but, uh, star Wars episode six, um, return of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi is literally my favorite star Wars. Okay. Now we're at, bro. Now we're- Dude, okay. Your three movies would probably like would all three be on my top ten list of all time. There you so, go. So, dude, yeah. Did we just become best friends? No. Uh, seriously, that, that movie is fantastic. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of my Star Wars is always something I grew up with uh, as a kid, and uh, I had all the Lego sets and all the action figures, and always wanted to be uh, be a bounty hunter. And yes. So definitely, Star Wars Episode Six because everything comes together. I like the. Uh, the progression of uh, Luke being a kid, and then Star Wars Episode Six, he comes in with the black robes and the the new lightsaber, and he he's telling everybody to back off because he's about to mess some stuff up. So that's my favorite, um, one of my top three. And then Ian just texted me; he was uh, he said Godzilla because Godzilla is something I grew up with since I was a kid. So if we were going number four, any Godzilla movie, um, more specifically uh, the originals, uh, the nineteen sixties Heisei series Godzilla. Uh, so cheesy, so weird, and uh, something I grew up. The old, oh. the old like claymation. <laughs> uh, a little bit past that. It's like when they're in rubber suits. And oh yes, they're in rubber suits, and like the the dragons have like strings holding them up, and it just looks so goofy. But I grew up with the Godzilla since I was a kid, and uh, Ian, Ian and I were fighting. It was a uh, King Kong versus Godzilla around our house when the movie came out, and uh, Godzilla won. So <laughs> in your face. <laughs> so ian's obviously not a godzilla fan <laughs> a king kong fan he likes to, he likes to take people down and smash them but uh yeah I, i'm a bigger king kong fan too gotta be honest but always oh, yeah. been a godzilla fan as well yeah it was a good movie <laughs> great great fun great fun for anybody that's into that kind of genre like that movie was just literally exactly what it was supposed to be yeah exactly. so, chef's kiss not too much not too much of the the kids involved not too much of the love story or any of that bs it was like from from start to finish it was crazy monster action and uh, you can't ask him more what do you expect out of godzilla movie you know yeah, it, yeah. We, we just wanted to see big creatures beat the crap out of each other and we got it it was perfect i'm actually you know i'm gonna watch that tonight <laughs> <laughs> i love it i love it um awesome man uh well I don't have any other any other crazy questions for you. I I feel like I I kept you a lot longer than I'd actually planned on, and I appreciate you being patient. Um, so tell everybody that's listening where to follow you and what your handle is. 
All right. Uh, my name is Aiden Ingram again. Uh, you can find me on any social media handle, Aiden the Future. Um, shout out to MMA Anomaly for having me on here, man. I'm going to be listening, and uh, we should definitely get together after one of the big cards and uh, talk. I'll be interested to see your your uh, your take on some of uh, the fights this weekend. It's going to be uh, – this, this card is pretty freaking huge, and I love it. So, And, uh, and you know, I definitely would like to – talk to you about the uh the ryzen and um bellator new year's event when it happened yes. in and i have Juan, our boy Juan, on that card um one of my favorite fighters kyoji huriguchi on that card um nobody's favorite 145er pitbull on that card so how <laughs> this go hey when they start bringing up pitbull versus jose aldo in his last fight i was like we need to stop right there we need to stop right there listen can <laughs> we not can we yeah. not that's what i'm gonna leave the people with please don't mistake the greatness of jose aldo that man is eons now above pitbull even now i put money on (laughs) i would i would uh i'd back that bet too i'd back that bet with my mouth my wallet you fucking name it (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh yeah jose aldo is definitely leaps and bounds ahead of him uh and yes i would love to chat with you um Possibly after the the pay per view this weekend, and definitely after that New Year's card. Yeah, we gotta and, get on too. We'll we'll have a big debate about it. <laughs> oh, dude, absolutely! Looking forward to it. We're feeling some crazy shits about to happen this weekend. That's all I'm saying. Uh, I definitely feel like some crazy shits gonna happen this weekend, and I feel like a lot of people um, are gonna be happy, and a lot of people are gonna be sad. <laughs> oh my goodness! So, yeah. thank you, brother. It's been awesome. Thank you, Aiden. I appreciate it. Everybody, again, make sure you go give this guy a follow across all platforms at Aiden the future and uh, make sure you tune into his next fight. And if you haven't already seen his last fight from uh, it was freedom fights three, right? Yes, sir. Freedom, freedom fight fights three, freedom fight night three. Make sure you check that out. He got a nasty, nasty guillotine. And uh, thanks again, Aiden. I appreciate you coming on, man. Thank you so much. You guys have a good night. Thank you. Later. Later.